Church, you know that uh, Jesus Christ stands in the midst of his church. And on this Father's Day, I think that we should give the Lord a big hand applause. Uh, it is good to be together to worship the Lord on this Father's Day. And dads, thank you. And uh, you got some dad's root beer. Remember, it's root beer. <laughs> Emphasis on root. It is so good to be with you today. God, God is just good to his people. You know what? I, I saw many of you out at the, uh, around the parking lot yesterday. And uh, you guys are real troopers. And I, I am so thankful uh, even for a temporary time to be associated with you. Uh, you're, you're, you are a blessing to me. And, and I want to thank you for whatever you did yesterday church, whatever you did, I want to thank you for your service. This community uh, is, is much blessed because yins are here. Anyway, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah 13. We're going to look at the first 14 verses. On that day, they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. And there was found in it that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into blessing. So when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners from Israel. Let me just stop right there. Just, I think you already know this, but just in case you might have forgotten it. Uh, the Moabites and the Ammonites are the descendants of a guy by the name of Lot. They, they are descendants from Lot and his two daughters. And so there is a, a filial kinship there. There's a familiar kinship there, uh, and they refuse to assist Israel in their journey through into the promised land. So that's the problem there. Just real quick so you understand what's happening. Verse 4 says, Now prior to this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him where formerly they had put grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, and the contribution for the priests. But during all this time, I was not in Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah says that he was there for, for 12 years. He had to go back. He had to go back to, to Persia. He had to go back to, uh, to where the king was at. And some commentators say he spent about a year or so back there and then went back again to Jerusalem. So he was absent during this initial time. Verse 6 says, but, uh, 
But during this time I was not in Jerusalem, for in th this 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, uh, he, is not, he is not Babylonian, Artaxerxes is, is Persian, just so you know that, but they were in Babylon. I had gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and learned about the evil that Elisha had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. It was very displeasing to me, so I threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. Then I gave an order that they cleanse the rooms, and I returned there with the utensils of the house of God with the grain offerings and the frankincense. I also discovered, verse 10, listen to this, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. So the Levites and the singers who performed the, uh, the service had gone away, each to his own field. So I reprimanded the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their post. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. In charge of the storehouses, I appointed Shelemiah, the son of Zadok, the scribe, Padaiah, the, and the Levites. In addition to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered reliable. And it was their task to distribute to the, king, the kinsmen. Remember me for this, O my God, and do not blot out my loyal deeds which I have performed for the house of my God and its services. Let's pray. Father, sometimes we think that things are just going so good in the house of God. And Father, we come to realize that, uh, that, that, that Satan sometimes perverts and disrupts and distorts what is happening, Father, and turns good into, into evil, uh, good into bad, uh, trust into distrust. Father, may we learn from this word today, Father, that uh, our best recourse and our best course is to stay close to your word. Father, steer our course to your haven of rest where there are blessings and life abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage tells us, the church, of the importance of having ministers of God's Word to see to it that the house of God has both a shepherd to the sheep as well as an administrator to the house of God. In essence, someone needs to make sure that the sheep are tended to, and someone needs to make sure that the house of God does not lie in perversion. There needs to be a, a cleansing, not just a cleansing of the mind, but a cleansing of activity that may dishonor God. The church is to come together. The church is to come together and say, Lord, we, we bear ourselves to you. Lord, cleanse us. Cleanse us from every impurity that is filtered through our hearts and our minds. 
Cleanse us of every impurity that has gone through our mouths. Cleanse us of every impurity that, that we have done in, in a deed that has offended you. Cleanse us of every impurity that has robbed you of the glory that is due you. There needs to be a cleansing in the church. I don't mean this church just locally, but the church worldwide. There needs to be a shaking up of our spirits and our souls so that we do not do what has happened here in the 13th chapter of Nehemiah. That they started off great and they ended up horrible. We can't have that happen. Note what indictment God cries out toward those who forsake their duties and tending to the sheep of God. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 6, we read, My sheep have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. After our Lord's resurrection, he appears to, to his disciples and specifically to, to Peter, also called Simon. And he says to him, Simon, tend my lambs. And the second time he says to him, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, shepherd my sheep. And still a third time, Jesus tells Peter, Simon, tend my lambs. Now, why does Jesus tell Peter three times to tend and shepherd his sheep? That's you, the church. But why does he tell that three times to Peter? And some say, well, Peter denied him three times. Well, yes, that's a possibility. But let me share something else with you. Possibly. Another reason might be is that there are wolves out there who are wanting to destroy the sheep of God. Have you ever thought of that? The, the, the minister's job, the minister's job is to shepherd the sheep, tend to the lambs, to protect them, to care for them, to lead them in a proper path, to lead them where they follow the correct course where the, the, the Word of God dictates for that church. We are to keep out of the church anything that would defile and disrupt the church. Jesus says in John 10, 12, the wolf snatches them. Talking about the sheep. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. Jesus said this because there are wolves out there who want to destroy the sheep of God. Now, folks, this is very much like the situation that we have in Nehemiah 13. You know, there are wolves out there today, but there were wolves back 1,500 years ago or, or, or 2,500 years ago also. Now, the Ammonites, the Ammonites, the Moabites are neighboring nations to Israel, but they refuse to lend any aid to Israel in their journey. Israel's going up. These, these people are on the, on the eastern side and a little bit to the south of Israel. 
And as Israel is journeying through, getting ready to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land, these two, these two nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites, stood against, they're related to them. They're related to them by blood, but they refused to, to aid them in any way. They didn't want them there. Just like today, there are many people, listen, listen, church, there are many people that don't want you to gather together to worship God. It would be, they would think it would be better for you to stay home. Don't filter out into society and then come into the church. Stay home. Be comfortable. Relax. Watch the game. Folks, life is not a game. Life is supposed to direct you toward the king of glory. But what Satan has done because of the fall of Adam, what he's done is, is he has taken that course and he's diverted that course so far out of a way that we do not understand any longer what is truth and what is right and what is just and what is good. We call evil good and good evil. We call right wrong, and we call wrong right. Jesus, as the thief, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I'm come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Society would rather you just weren't here. Just like the Moabites and the Ammonites. Don't come here. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 and 4, listen to this. God's word says, No Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord, none of their descendants, none of their descendants even to the tenth generation, shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord, because they did not meet you with food or water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. So after the Israelites read this, read this law of Moses, they excluded all foreigners from Israel. You'll find that in verse 3 of our text. So church, keep this in mind. Israel, after, listen, after reading God's word, sought with all their heart to follow his commands. They says, listen, this is what the Word of God says. We're going to do that. But we hear that all the time. Preacher, that's what God's Word says. We're going, to, we're going to do that. We will be obedient. We will make a vow before God that we will do that. But then, as you well know, there's a theological truth that you won't find it in the Bible, but I find it on t-shirts. It says, stuff happens. So, folks, here, stuff happens. Even 2,500 years ago. They sought with all their hearts to follow the commands of God, but when God's word is listened to and heeded, the people will learn what brings honor to God and what 
benefits them as a nation. But, but, then something went terribly wrong. The people of God made an alliance. The people of God, the people of God made an alliance with the enemy of God. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6 of our text. Now, prior to this, Eliashib, the priest, this guy is an important priest. This guy is a leader in the church of that time. He's a leader of the Jews who appointed over the chambers of the house of our Lord. He, listen, who was appointed over the chambers of the house. He was in charge. He was in charge of the temple. That's an important guy. He was in charge of the temple, and he, was re- he is related to a guy by the name of Tobiah. Does that name ring a bell to anybody? And it says, verse 5, had prepared a large room for him where formerly they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, the tithes of the grain, wine and oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers and the contribution for the priests. Listen, they put stuff in that, they put stuff in that room that was important for the exercise of faith and family and religion. Verse 6 says, but during all this time I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of, of Babylon, I had gone to the king. After some time over, I asked leave of the king. The priest of Israel, this priest of Israel was related to a man named Tobiah. He's related to him, first of all, by marriage. He's related by marriage. And second, he's related to him by friendship. Related by marriage, related by friendship. So then this question, who is Tobiah? In Nehemiah 4, 3, we read this. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, that is, Tobias near another guy by the name of Sambelot, and said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. So let me read you something here from Nehemiah chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. This is who this priest wants as a friend? Someone who wants to kill the people? Someone who wants to cause a disturbance? In the house of Israel, someone who is to destroy the church, this is who we're going to make friends with? It would be like David. It's tantamount to David going to, to, to uh, Goliath, the uncircumcised Philistine, and saying, hey, let's have tea together. Let's discuss this. 
instead of getting a stone in the head, they can just sit down together and get stoned. <laughs> Do you see what was that it was Tobiah along with others who are wanting to fight against God's people and to give a and to cause a disturbance in the city. This is exactly the same kind of tactic that Jesus speaks of in John 10, 12, where he says that the wolf comes along and he wants to snatch and he wants to scatter, destroy the sheep. Now we come across another name. One of the leaders of Israel's religion, a man by the name of Eliashib, a priest. He himself was a culprit in all this, and, and he then violates the law of God. He was well aware at, as, as, as a priest that it was forbidden for the Jews to intermarry, to intermarry with the people of Ammon and Moab. Or any other nation, the Gergesites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and all those other, all those other ites who were in the promised land. But here we find Eliashib, the priest, pleased to have fellowship with one who was violently opposed to those who rebuilt the city and the walls of Jerusalem. We're going to make a friend we're going to make a friend out of our enemy. Folks, would you, would you be willing to make a friend out of the prince of the power of the air, the, the prince of darkness? Would you be willing to sit down with one of his minions, one of the Satan's minions, and sit with them and, and, and have fellowship, have casserole together? Let's sit down, let's sit down and let's just be friends. Not only did Eliashib befriend the enemy, but he provided for him a room in the sanctuary of God. Eliashib adds to his evil by removing from the temple of God some of the required items for sacrifice and offerings which the people had contributed toward. He did, he did all this. He took all this stuff out that the people had contributed, what people gave. What if, I, what, if, what if I said, listen, let's take all the money that this church has. Let's take all of it. And let's get it out of the church. Let's get it out of the bank. And let's give it, let's give it to someone who supports something that is totally anti-Christian, anti-God. Let's give it to them because we want to be friends with them. Brothers and sisters, if I ever told you to do that, you have a responsibility to get rid of me real quick. That's what Eliashib did. He took out the offerings that the people gave. He cleared, he cleared a room for his enemy. We don't, we don't need these sacrificial items. We don't, we don't need this. We don't need that. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to get rid of it. And I'm going to welcome in the enemy of God. You recall the account in the Gospels where Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. 
And he went into the temple and saw how it was being desecrated. And he drove off those who were selling and buying out of the temple. You'll find that, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels have the account of Jesus clearing out the people out of the temple, cleansing the temple. So keep this in mind. When there is a need to remove, to remove sin, folks, listen very carefully. When there is a need for us to remove sin out of our own lives, we must also at the same time be willing to throw out all the provisions that we have made for it. What, what provision have you made for sin in your life? You say, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this one. I'm going to hang on to this one because it just, it just pleases me. I'm going to hang on to family. I'm going to hold on to friends. I'm going to hold on to finance. You know, those are important, folks. Friends, family, and finance, those are important, but they're not as important as God. How many times have I heard ministers say to me, many times, preacher, I'll do whatever God wants me to do, but you know, if I go into a ministry, I want God to keep me right close by here because that's where my family's at. That's the deal you're going to make with God. You're, you're making this stipulation with God that God, you can call me into the ministry, but don't take me away from here. I can remember as a 20-something-year-old, just recently married, my wife and I packed up everything. I told you the story, but let me share it again. Packed up everything we had, put it on top of this little 1964 Ford Falcon that I had. Every, everything, every, everything I owned in my life was in a cardboard box on top of my car. Every stitch of everything I owned in my life was on top of this box that was on top of my car. And my wife and I drove down from Pittsburgh area, down to Bolivar, Missouri. That little car teeter-tottering all the way down there. We left home. We left family. I had no job then. I had to quit my job. I said, God, I'm going to, I'm going to go down there. I want to be a minister. Whatever, whatever it takes, Lord, for me to be a minister. I'm willing to sacrifice that. My friend, when God calls you to do something, do it. Don't ask God questions. Willingly, trustingly, hopefully, faithfully follow Him. We have never, never had to beg for food. We have never had to beg for a dime to live off of. God has every time met our needs. Whatever provision you might have made for sin, get rid of it. We must starve it, strip it bare. We must remove all that which both feeds and energizes the flesh to pursue what is evil.
Get rid of it. Sin is removed from our temples. That is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, aren't we? Sin is removed, but our turning back to God in faith and our turning our back to sin, that is repentance. I want you to understand something. People say, what's the difference between faith and repentance? Faith is walking with God. Faith is walking with, you know what sin is? It's walking away from God. You know, you know what repentance is? Turning back to God. <laughs> I can't do it too often because my vertical make me fall down. <laughs> so I figure it's best for me to just kind of stick with God and don't have to worry about spinning around like a yo-yo or top or something like that. I said, God, you're making me dizzy. <laughs> so, no. Folks, We as God's temple, we as God's temple are to be fully and virtuously furnished by the grace of God for every good work. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not so that we can be saved, but because you are saved, God says, now, listen, I saved you. Do something with that. Don't just sit there. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's now go to verse 10 of our text. Look at verse 10 of our text. It says, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites... This is important, folks. The portions of the Levites had not been given them so that the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away each to his own field. The ministers of, God's, of God had not received any financial nor commercial remuneration. You know why? Because somebody, somebody got rid of the stuff they're supposed to get. They took away what was supposed to feed the Levites, and they put the devil in there. Those who led, those who led in the music of praise were not present to lead the people in songs of praise. They all together had determined to tend to the needs and functions of home and fields. The, the people who were supposed to minister to the church to the people of Israel, the ministers, they had said, instead of having a worship service, you know what, we're just going to stay home, we're going to take care of home and, and, and family and field. We're going to work our own fields. Their interest was to earn a livelihood apart from serving the Lord. Say, so you know what, we were, we, were, we were earning a living from following God, but because there's nothing to give us anymore, we're done. We're going to just stay home. If they're not going to pay us, we're going to stay home. If they're not going to feed us, we're going to, send, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to just grow our own crops and we'll feed ourselves. Matthew Henry, in commenting on this verse, writes, quote, A scandalous maintenance makes a scandalous ministry. The work is neglected because the workmen are. Nehemiah tells the people in verse 11, Why is the house of God forsaken? 
It is forsaken because we have left it for home and field. It is forsaken because we have left it for amusement and pleasure. It is forsaken because we have left it for the comfort and convenience of home. Do these things exceed the call to us to gather gather together for the worship of God who has saved us? Do the comforts and pleasures of this world exceed what God wants us to do is in coming together? Are those things more important to us than our coming together and saying, God, you be praised? There is nothing wrong with joy and clap and shout and raising of hands in the house of God. If you're going to get excited about anything, I could understand getting excited about Ben Roethlisberger completing a 50-yard pass. I can understand that. But I could understand more when the church coming together The church coming together and worshiping God. And at the end of that service, people just praising God and people coming up to pray and to receive an anointing of God's Spirit and to walk out of here enthused and enlightened and illumined by the Spirit of God and to become His witnesses in all this world. Listen, folks, that's more exciting than a football game. Should God ever begin to consider us his sheep as worthy of his blessings? To whom then should he look upon with his favor? Who should God look on with his favor? We find this word from Isaiah 66 too. But to this one will I look, to him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trusts in my word. Friends, Let me tell you who that person is. That person who is humble and broken in spirit. Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who is that person? That person is only found as one who is in Christ. One who believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is you, my friend. It is you whose heart is fully cleansed and suited for the presence of a holy God. You, who by faith say that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are so blessed. We have so much. And there is so much more that God has for us. May we be found faithful as the stewards of what God has given to us. Let's pray. Bless you, praise you, Jesus, for who you are. You're the son of the living God, Father. We thank you. Jesus, you died, was buried, you rose again. You're coming back again, Lord, to receive your church. We are so blessed. Father, may we in our hearts say, Lord, we do not want anyone to come and snatch us away and scatter us. 
But Lord, we want to be together. We want to fellowship together. We want to worship together. We want to be together. Lord, we are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. We're part of your sheepfold. We are the bride of Christ, the household of faith. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for calling us into that service. In Jesus' name, amen.